Hey everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today Chris Davenport is back on the Blister Podcast and we have two main orders of business here today. First, Dav has been in Portillo, Chile skiing and I have really been jonesing to ski recently and so I thought, okay, let's catch up with Dav and I can just sort of live vicariously through him as he talks about doing one of the very best things in the world, sliding down mountains on snow. So Chris gives us a breakdown of this most recent Superstars camp that he holds in Portillo. We talk about the origins of that Superstars camp. And in an interesting part, we also talk about Chris's philosophy of ski instruction. There's lots of different approaches and thoughts about how best to do that. I thought we should ask Dav about that. Now, the second order of business. On the day that Chris and I recorded this conversation, it was announced that Chris was joining Bodie Miller at Peak Skis. So we talk a good bit about that and when Dav first met Bodie and what he will be doing at Peak. And then, it's relevant information, Dav says he is going to be at the Blister Summit again, presumably with a bunch of Peak Skis. So... We have registration open for our third Blister Summit. You'll find that on the nav bar of our website. And one of the things I can tell you for a fact, skiing with Chris is one of the most stoke-filled and fun things that I think a human being can do. And I got to ski with him at the summit last year. A lot of other people did as well. So just a public service announcement, you probably should come to the summit and go ski some laps with Chris Davenport. We're here to help people. Okay, just a couple other bits of exciting news before we get going here. The pre-order for our massive bigger than ever, and we think better than ever, 2223 Winter Buyer's Guide, that pre-order is now live. So we encourage you to get your hands on this thing and... We have a pre-order rate going until September 5th, so order now and get this massive book at the best price you're going to find it for. Now, another public service announcement slash pro tip, if you become a Blister member, you get a copy of the print edition of the book included. You just need to cover the shipping. And so we think the addition of this massive buyer's guide makes that Blister membership a very good value. And then it becomes a crazy good value when you look at all of the discounts on gear that you get for being a Blister member. You can also get our personalized gear recommendations from our reviewers at Blister. Oh, and by the way, you get a discount on the Blister Summit where you're going to come have the best time of your life skiing with Chris Davenport. So when you factor all of these things in, it is really true what we have been saying for years. A Blister membership truly pays for itself. So you can either just pick up a copy of our buyer's guide or become a Blister member. That buyer's guide is included. You are then guaranteed to get a copy of the guide. 
and then go do a bunch of other things like get great deals on gear and come to the Blister Summit at a discounted rate and on and on and on. Okay, another thing. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we will be dropping the next installment of our new open mic series. And I'm just going to tell you, tomorrow we have a piece from Sander Hadley, and it is outstanding. And I am so proud with our start to the series with Angel Collinson coming in and setting us on the right track. Paul Forward's piece last week was really interesting, and I'm just here to say... Sander keeps the streak alive. So check that out. That will be on the website tomorrow. And then last thing, Wednesday, our new Crafted podcast. We are also extremely pleased with how this whole new Crafted podcast has started. It is not slowing down at all. Wednesday, we have a phenomenal episode coming your way. And again, for all of you who are coming to Blister because you like to sweat the details and you're curious about design, I swear this thing is like, well, actually, yeah, literally made for all of you. So do yourself a favor, check out Crafted, and you can find Crafted on any podcast player you happen to use. Just type in Crafted, the show will pop up, and I'm sure you're going to dig it. And with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Mr. Chris Davenport. Here we go. Well, Chris, how are you today and where are you today? Hey, Jonathan, I am doing awesome. I actually, I don't think I could be doing any better, to be honest. I am uh, back home in Snowmass, Colorado. And when I say back home, it's because I was just down in South America skiing. And gosh, it felt so, so good to get back on snow. Um, I was there for a little over a week with my family, um, ripping around, just having a kind of a vacation. I did guide a couple days that week, but it was uh, just so much fun. And then, of course, uh, our annual Superstars camp, ski camp, went on the following week. Um, and I gotta tell you, it all went by like in the blink of an eye. It's like, we just got down there at the beginning of August and we're like, okay, we've got, you know, two and a half weeks. This is going to be amazing. And now here I am sitting in my office going like, what, what just happened? Oh my gosh, please give me more of that, more of that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was fantastic. So I'm doing great. I love the fact that just before we hit the record buttons, you, you actually said, you're like, you know, man, it was so great to be skiing again, and I miss it already, and I would give anything to be skiing again today. <laughs> it's like, no, that's, that's, that's Davenport. That's great. Yeah. Gosh, I just, I just feel like when you love something so much and you don't do it for a period of time, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, I, I don't know, I, I forget that feeling, and then you get back to doing it. In this case, we're talking about skiing. And you are like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And Mother Nature, I should say, really helped out. We had an, it's an incredible ski season, incredible snow uh, in the mountains of the Andes right now. Um, and we had two pretty big resets. So we had one right when we got down there, which was great because the week before had been a little bit kind of crunchy and sun affected on most aspects. And then we had a nice, I don't know, kind of 12 to 16 that just cleaned up the whole mountain, fresh tracks everywhere, um, like kind of two days of storm skiing and then followed by, I guess it would have been four days of sun. And then right as my camp was starting and I had 
oh gosh, I had 30 people more or less with, with coaches and, and clients. Uh, same thing happened. We had another pretty big storm. This time it was like maybe 18. And um, again, just kind of cleaned up the mountain and gosh, it was game on. <laughs> and those storm days are, are great because you know, down in the Andes, if you if you've never been there, there's no trees until you get all the way south towards uh, Patagonia, you know, uh, Bariloche area. Um, in the central Andes, outside Santiago, where Portillo is, where I go, there's no trees. So when it's a stormy day or even a gray day, the the visibility and the light is quite bad. So on those days, we're we're dialing back the the speed and the charging, and we're doing a lot more uh, work on our skiing techniques, skills, tactics, strategies, all the all the kind of stuff that then. When it goes blue, as it did on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we are ready to shred and we've done all the hard work and people are, you know, got their fundamentals down. So yeah, that's how, that's how it played out. Mother nature just, uh, did her thing. And my, my, my good friend and, and colleague and coach Mike Douglas, uh, who's been working with me there forever his uh, is convinced that I've sold my soul to the devil or someone and I've got a golden horseshoe up my butt because I always get great weather and great conditions. <laughs> I was just thinking about this. I mean, I was thinking about our last blister summit. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have to just kidnap you. I think if for some <laughs> reason there's a year where like you can't make it, we might just have to, yeah, kidnap yeah. you and throw you in somebody's trunk. You seem to bring the snow. Well, that blister summit was incredible because it had been pretty high and dry for like five or six weeks in Colorado. And then sure enough, how much did we have down there? Oh, 15 or 20? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was it was amazing skiing, but it was also like, um, you know, the tide had risen for the first time in a long time and you were aware that the sharks were still there underneath. So I was like, you know, I had been down there with the fleet of skis like, oh, gosh, please don't destroy all these skis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of a time. It was. Yeah, very much looking forward to the next one. Well, this is cool. Part of the reason I wanted to have you on was frankly because I was I've have found myself jonesing pretty hard, and so I I sort of wanted this opportunity to kind of live a little vicariously through you. And as you were just saying, like I was I was just thinking before we hopped on, it's not like it's been forever since I was skiing. I was skiing in June in France, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's not that far. Uh, yeah, I guess we're um, either spoiled or just really have the bug. It's both for sure. 100%. We are spoiled. We get to do these incredible things and, and you better not take it for granted. Yeah. If any of you listeners take this for granted, go, I don't know, sit in an office <laughs> or something because you don't deserve to be here. No, I mean, we are so privileged that we get to do this. And yeah, we have the bug. I mean, skiing is a sport generally of passionate people. Um, and I'm, I, I love hanging out with passionate people, no matter what, what they love, as long as they love something, they can tell me about it all day long and they're stoked. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of tend to surround ourselves with these people. And that's one of the reasons I love going to Portillo is it's got such a long history uh, going back to the really post-war, late 40s, early 50s. It's kind of a who's who of the world of skiing has been there. You know, if those walls in the bar could talk, man, they would tell some incredible stories. So I love surrounding myself with all of that. Um, and then, of course, like my family who comes down every year, but as well, um, our coaches and our, and our clients of, of this camp program. Uh, it's just awesome. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still, as if you can tell, riding a little bit of an energy wave of like stoke and positivity from this skiing experience in Chile. Do you remember the very first time you were ever at Portillo? I do. Of course. Yeah. It was the, it was the year 2000 and I had grown up actually, uh, knowing a lot about Portillo cause my father was a ski racer 
at the University of Denver. And after the 1966 World Alpine Championships, which was held in Portillo, it was kind of known as the secret race because no one in the world had heard of Portillo up to that point. Uh, they hosted the, the world there. All the teams from all the countries came. Dick Barrymore made an incredible movie called The Secret Race, and that really put Portillo on the map. So in the years following, international teams would go down and train in the summertime you know, to get ready for the coming like World Cup season or collegiate seasons. And so, yeah, my father had gone there a couple of years uh, with the University of Denver ski team. And then more recently in the 90s, both of my sisters were on the U.S. ski team um, and they were down there training. And so, you know, I just always heard about these Portillo experiences, but I just I never got to go there. And, you know, my dad never brought us. So shame on him lame. <laughs> uh, and, and I finally got to go down in 2000 because I was like, I need to go here. How am I going to make this happen? So I invented a, a um, ski photography competition, which we called the Andes Photo Challenge. I We basically flew down five or six of the world's top ski photographers. They could each bring an athlete. And we spent uh, all week shooting in these different categories. We would send the film down at the end of the day to Santiago, get developed, and then come back. And then we, we had judges and the whole thing. And it really created, for three years we did this, it created a ton of amazing content for Portillo um, and you know, brought some of the world's great photographers there. So that's that was my introduction there. And yeah, I'll never forget that first day driving up the highway, which is uh, 29 switchbacks, one of the craziest roads you'll ever go up and uh, going, oh my gosh, this, is, this place is wild. And then you, you get to the top and you pull into the hotel and it just... It feels like this remote mountain outpost, you know, uh, for skiing, uh, like a cruise ship that's just parked in the mountain, if you will. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's very unique. And um, I fell in love with it immediately. Uh, I fell in love with the people there, uh, the families um, that, that return every year. The owner, the owners, the Purcell family have just become, you know, lifelong friends now. And uh, it, it's, it's a place that just has such a different energy to it. Um, because it's just this one hotel and a couple small out lot outbuilding lodges, there's no village or town or anything. Uh, there's only like 400 skiers there. And of that, those 400 skiers, probably half of them are sort of beginner intermediates that don't leave the groomers. Um, the other half might ski off piste, but just a little bit. And then, you know, you've got mega terrain that's only being skied by a small handful of people each week. It's just, and you never feel rushed. You don't get that powder craze like, you know, you're walking out your door on a 20-inch day in Crested Butte. You know you, your time is limited and the whole mountain skied up, right? It's chewed up no matter where you are. You could be in, in Tahoe. You could be in Whistler. You could be in Jackson. You could be, you know, in a Vale Resort. And, man, the places just get hammered. So uh, it's got this incredible combination of elements. I mentioned the history, the, the geographical position at the foot of this ridiculously gorgeous lake with mountains rising up on each side and then you know, like 30 or 40 kilometers away is Aconcagua, the highest peak in the Western hemisphere, the highest peak that's not in the Himalaya. Um, and you're staring at that every day that you hike up a little bit. It's, it's absolutely the kind of place that should be on everyone's bucket list. When did you first have the idea for the camp? And then when did you actually hold the first camp? Yeah. So after those three years of these Andes photo contests, we had shot kind of like almost everything that could be shot. You know, there was, we had just so <laughs> much content. So it didn't really make sense to keep doing that. And this, again, this is before, uh, not before the internet, but before social media. So you, you weren't really sharing things. You weren't really seeing things um, online. 
but you were in the magazines. And anyway, so after three years, I had to come up with a new idea. And it was like, you know what? We're, we're getting to the, the point in our skiing careers as professionals where actually people kind of want to ski with us. So why don't we get a few professional skiers together, like my closest friends, and we'll just start a ski camp and see if anyone wants to come. And those first few years, it was myself and Shane McConkie and Wendy Fisher and Chris Anthony. All of those three people are, were dear, dear friends, our dear friends. Um, you know, Shane and I had ski raced together since high school. Uh, Wendy and I became world champions together in 1996 in Valdez and both signed with Solomon that year. Uh, Chris Anthony and I had done a lot of Warren Miller movies and, and, uh, ski races and just, yeah, we just, I just had tons of respect. And I think that first year at camp, so that was 2003, I think three or four, we had, uh, I think 11 clients like, okay, small group, but, um, you know, didn't really make any money, but we're getting this thing going and it's just, uh, it's just grown, um, sort of organically since then. So now I can take about up to 30 people. We had 24 this season. It's for all ages, all races, sexes, everything. You know, if, as long as you are a stoked human and you love skiing, you can come ski with us. We had it. We had a 10 year old girl this year who was ripping, skiing everything and just having the best time and trying flips and spins. We had um, a couple guys in their late sixties that, you know, would ski hard all morning and then have a bottle of wine sitting out at this incredible on mountain restaurant in the afternoon with gigantic smiles on their faces. Um, so, and then everybody in between. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a chance to, you know, kind of rub shoulders and, or skis with some of your ski heroes who most of these people find out are actually just normal people, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah. And then really improve your skiing. I mean, we're definitely spending a lot of time working on skills, helping people with whatever bad habits they might have or whatever progressions they want to work on. Um, so, and all the coaches, you know, this isn't ski school. This isn't PSIA. All the coaches have a different way of doing things. So you get to ski with a different coach every day. Um, and that makes it fun. Conditions change. Coaches have different ways of talking about skiing and different ways of sharing their stories and passions and, and guiding people around the mountain safely. Um, you find that in Portillo, it, it, it seems like it's a little, a little mountain, uh, but it skis huge. In fact, it probably skis bigger than any mountain I know for the amount of acreage it has. There's so many little nooks and crannies and places that you'd be like, oh, I didn't even know that was there. And all of a sudden you're in this like gigantic zone. So it's uh, it helps to have you know guides like our like our guides uh, taking you around, uh, and and we had a successful camp. I always tell people the first night as we get together for our sort of welcome cocktail party, I say, listen, a, a safe camp is a successful camp. We want all of you guys to have your best days, the last days of the camp. Make it a progression, and let's all get on those flights home in one piece. And uh, and we did that this year, so that was great. Would be interested to hear your take on this, given the kind of instructional component of the camp do you have sort of a clear or defined philosophy of you know ski instruction in terms of because one approach would be right a very kind of regimented set of drills that should happen in a particular order right to kind of progress someone in a way that you think makes the most sense or is the most efficient Versus what you kind of just described, which sounds a bit more free flowing than that. And I mean, given your own race background and the rest, where, where are you today just in terms of an approach? If you're like, yeah, we're here to have a lot of fun, but we do actually really want to help people improve their skiing. 
Yeah, great question. So I do have an approach. I wouldn't call it regimented. Um, really, I want to see people. I want to see people progress throughout the week. I want to see people try new things. I have uh, sort of a tool bag full of drills that I can sort of pick out and use based on someone's need. Uh, you know, so for example, if um, we see someone who's like a little lazy at the end of the turn and tends to finish on their heels, you know, we've got some drills that help move the hips forward down the fall line at the end of the turn so that it gets people onto the front of their ski boot where it's easier to turn the ski and get it up on edge. Um, there's a few different things that we can do there. So yeah, it's again, it's not like we need to do this drill and then we're going to follow it up with this drill. And then I want you guys to, you know, leave your poles at the top and we're going to try something over here. Uh, it's, it's more kind of like picking and choosing for the right day. Um, you know what we're going to do. And, and I think that's fun. It's, I don't want to be regimented. I don't want to be doing the same thing every year. Okay, guys, it's, it's drill day and we're going to start off with this one because this is what we do every year. No, that's not how we work. Um, fun is the bottom line. Uh, stoke, you know, and, and, um, getting people to try new things. And it's not just like, the, the technical skills, the fundamentals of skiing. It's, we want people to have more fluency in skiing. That means looking at terrain, understanding what a no-fall zone is. We actually practice um, self-arresting. You know, if you slip and fall and you're starting to you lose your skis, what do you do? Um, uh, looking at snow, for instance, where, the, where did the wind blow the snow in? Where is it sh more shallow? Where might you find rocks? I mean, just getting people to kind of use their brains while they ski because oftentimes people go on a ski vacation to a ski resort and they just ski down the mark trails they get on the chairlift and they're not really thinking about um i don't know more tactics of how to approach it hey listen what if i went and did a cool top turn over there and sort of slash that little lip well that sounds fun the mountains are a playground and if you don't sort of open your eyes to the possibilities you can miss a lot of cool shit to do so the fluency is really important you know we're getting people to speak the mountain language you know use all of their senses to kind of have a good idea of like what's happening around them. It's partly from a safety perspective, but also just you're going to increase your ability to like have a good time. I like that and navigate terrain, maybe new terrain and the rest, yeah. which is obviously an enormously important part. Like you roll up at a mountain and it's like, where should I go? And how do you start to read snow and the rest to go maybe find some of that good stuff? Yeah. Another example, just real quick, is uh, skills that we oftentimes tend to take for granted, like traversing or sidestepping or, you know, kind of just moving around the mountain when gravity is not really helping you. Um, and there's a lot of that at Portillo. Uh, so there's one big run and zone in particular called the lake run. It's, it's huge and it's long. And at the bottom of the lake run, you have to traverse back to the lift and you kind of have to like sidestep up probably only 50 or 80 vertical feet and it's kind of a forward sidestep but it's amazing how by just using a little technique where you put your heel above your toe as you step up on your uphill ski you can propel yourself across that rather than use all this energy and so people get um, get much faster and much more efficient once we've kind of told them the right technique to use they're not you know sweating and ripping off their jacket and fogging up their goggles anymore they're actually gliding across this thing and arriving at the lift totally ha having used a lot less energy kind of techniques that people in like Alta are really good at, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we don't have so much of that here in Aspen Snowmass, but, uh, you know, some ski resorts, you really got to like move across. I mean, Crested Butte getting out to third bowl and yep. TO and, 
there's, you know, stuff out there that if you're efficient, you just, you just passing people that are like kind of hardly getting themselves up the side, you know, the uh, sidestep. We know that to be true. <laughs> so if anybody listening to this would be interested in learning more about your camp, where's the best spot for them to go for that? Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking. Um, definitely follow me on Instagram at Steep Skiing. You can DM me there for more information. Um, ChrisDavenport.com, that's my website. I, I need to update it. I think it still says 2021 on there, but I'll have the 2023 camp information up there. It's the middle of August every year. Uh, so 2023, it'll be August 12th to 19th. It's a Saturday to a Saturday week-long ski program. Uh, you know, you can show up with your friends. You can show up with your spouse and your kids. You can show up with your, uh, you know, parents, whatever you want. Um, it's it's all inclusive and, and it's all awesome. Um, and I look forward to that trip probably more than anything else throughout the entire calendar year. It's that, it's that special. Well, in addition to wanting to just hear somebody talk about skiing recently, you know, again, <laughs> living vicariously, you were down there skiing on some new stuff. I was. And, how'd, and you, I wanted, how'd you know? <laughs> I wanted to get your take on this. Let's talk about what you were skiing on down there. Yeah. So this is this is kind of big news, in, at least in the Chris Davenport world. I'm really, really excited. In fact, uh, as you and I record this podcast uh, today, it is uh, Wednesday, the 23rd, maybe 24th, 24th. And uh, we just dropped uh, a lot of information today on this new deal. So here's how this went down. I've been talking um, with Bodie Miller, uh, and Andy Worth, uh, Bodie, of course, the great American ski racer. And Andy was a former CEO of, uh, at Altera of, uh, Palisade Tahoe and, and Alpine, Alpine Meadows, and then previously Steamboat. Um, and these guys were starting a new ski company. Uh, of course I've had a long career in the, in the business, uh, did 12 years with Solomon and then followed by 15 years with Kessley. Um, and just a short history, history with the Kessley thing, I, uh, gosh, five years ago, 2017, end of 2017, uh, we sold Kessley to a Czech guy, a Czech investor, um, a guy from the Czech Republic. And uh, he he moved the manufacturing from Austria to the Czech Republic. And over the last few years, uh, no thanks to COVID, we, we in North America have just had less and less involvement. I mean, I was still involved as an athlete, still skiing on the product, but I wasn't designing skis anymore, developing product and testing stuff and just kind of was feeling like, hmm, maybe this is a time to just open my heart to whatever other uh, opportunities are out there. And kind of just as I was doing that, this conversation with Bodie and, and Andy started. Um, my contract was with Kessley was up this summer. Uh, so that provided a great opportunity to um, get involved with something else. So I went down to Portillo, Chile, uh, August 6th this summer with five pairs of skis, um, to test and to try and, uh, size from 88 to 110, um, four Alpine, uh, models and one backcountry model. And, um, yeah, spent the first week, uh, skiing on them, get, getting them on a lot of other people at Portillo from ski instructors to guests, to my own family, just to, I wanted to get everybody's feedback. I would, I wouldn't tell them anything. I'd just be like, Hey, ski on this and tell me what you think. Um, I needed to kind of validate like, I knew that the business model was great. I love the guys. I, I knew I was going to sign this contract and we were going to move forward, but I just wanted to make sure that the skis 
weren't, you know, complete dog shit. And, and they weren't, they were incredible. I had, I had tons of people skiing on them. And um, I guess I should just mention now it's a uh, peak skis, uh, you know, f- founded by Bodie Miller and, and Andy Worth and uh, just launched this past spring. And um, we're a direct to consumer uh, brand. So we will be, you know, selling skis through our website, delivering them in, in beautiful uh, packaging with some fun little gifts in there for people and, and their skis for passionate skiers. Um, you know, we, we, we try not to sort of define who the peak skier is beyond just people that are stoked on skiing. Um, you're going to love these skis. There's something there for pretty much everybody. I mean, we're not doing race skis. We're not doing mogul skis and we're not doing kids skis yet. Uh, but you know, we'll probably likely do kids skis at some point. I mean, you're going to have to for all of Bodhi's children, right? Yeah. Good point. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You're absolutely right about that. So yeah, I just did tons of ski testing down there and shot a lot of content because of course this is new for me. So all the photos I have from this past season and seasons past are all Kessley photos. And, um, so we got lots of great, uh, photo and video content and I'm just kind of now starting to share it cause I was kind of keeping it quiet there for a while, um, until I got home and we had this big announcement today and, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that all of the skis are awesome from the 88s that, which I skied on piece and on some corn all the way up to the one tens that I, I used in the powder days. Um, and also in some hot pow as it was transitioning to corn. I probably spent the most time on my 104 SCs, which is our our side country, back country offering right now. I had that mounted with a lightweight ATK binding. Uh, of, of course, I'm skiing in my brand new uh, Scarpa Quattro XT boots, which are also absolutely blowing my mind. They're incredible for how, how little they weigh. Uh, so that just the whole combo of my kit was putting a smile on my face every single day. And... Um, yeah, I'm just super thrilled to to move forward with these guys. Um, and if you haven't seen already, you can go to, you know, at steep skiing on Instagram or just go to the peakskis.com website. And there's a, a YouTube announcement on there of my, my uh, involvement with the company. My I'm sort of I'm on the executive team. My official unofficial title is uh, senior director of skiing and innovation. So, you know, my, my job is to uh, get the word out about Peak to customers all over the world, um, get people trying skis uh, as much as they can, um, answer questions, be in, in many ways another face of the brand with Bodie and, um, and just and grow this thing. And uh, if people have questions about all the things we're talking about, whether it's Portillo or, or Peak Skis, um, feel free to email chris at peakskis.com or just DM me on Instagram at steep skiing. And I, I love conversations. Um, I love hearing what people like, what they want, what they don't want. We're going to, as I said, we have, we have six models right now, 88, 98, 104, and 110. And then we have a 98 and 104 lightweight version that we call the SC, the side country. Um, so six models, it's a pretty small, uh, small offering, but that's going to grow. And I want to know what people are looking for. Um, I'm going up to Montana actually next week to work on some new backcountry designs, which will be even lighter and, and more specific to going uphill, uh, but with downhill performance. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. So it was just awesome to not only be down there, one, having, you know, a family vacation the first week two running the superstars camp in its 17th year, uh, for the first time since 2019, and really for the first time with good snow since like 2016. Um, and then third, be doing all of this while on a new ski brand. Uh, and after, as I said earlier, after 27 years with Solomon and Kesley, it's so fun to turn 
over a new page, a new chapter. And uh, I don't know, I just like feel like I, in, in many ways kind of have the world ahead of me right now. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool at my advanced age <laughs> to be doing this now. I'm kidding. When did you first meet Bodhi? I first knew of Bodie because I'm a ski racer from New Hampshire. He's a ski racer from New Hampshire. And I remember graduating from high school in New Hampshire and coming out to ski race in Boulder at the University of Colorado. And then hearing about this young ski racer back in New Hampshire who was starting to smoke everybody because he's four, four or five years or three or four years younger than me. Um, so we never, we never raced against each other. Thankfully, that <laughs> wouldn't have gone well for me, but, uh, I started hearing about him and then, you know, I got involved. Um, I stayed involved in ski racing as a, as an announcer. Uh, I think I an started announcing my first world cup races in like 1999. So I announced a bunch of races that Bodie was, um, was racing in. And I would not only be the color commentator, but I oftentimes was the, you know, interviewer in the finish line saying, you know, Hey Bodie, that was one of the coolest super G runs I've ever seen, but you know what? You almost went into the net. What was going through your mind there at 70 miles an hour as you almost, you know, hooked a tip on the net or whatever. Um, <laughs> so we sort of got to know each other a little bit by reputation, a lot by reputation, and then a little bit face to face. Uh, we hung out a little bit at the 2007 world Alpine ski championships in Ore, Sweden, where I was doing the commentating and you're kind of there for two weeks. Um, you know, I did the 2010 Olympics in, uh, in Vancouver, which he was there at. And, and so, yeah, we, we actually haven't really skied together more than a handful of times. Um, so I'm really looking forward to actually spending more time with him up in Montana where he lives, getting him up the skin track. Cause he's really good at going fast downhill and you know, it'll remain to be seen how fast he's going up the skin track. I'm just poking fun at you, Bodie. But, uh, you know, that's kind of my specialty is backcountry and ski mountaineering. And, um, the combination of, of both of our, or all of our skill sets, I think is one of the, one of the sort of special sauces of peak, you know, we both were coming at the sport with similar experiences, but also some very, very different ones. I found myself thinking while you were talking like, yeah, I'd like to be a fly on the wall for like a real in-depth product design conversation between the two of you. But then I found myself thinking like, well, maybe that's just a gear 30 episode. Mm -hmm. but, oh, that's uh, a good idea. That is a really good idea. That would be really fun because yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, not wholly different backgrounds, especially the further back we go into your two careers. Yes. But now I do think of you guys as pretty different skiers. And so to come together on this and figure out where where the agreements are, where some of the disagreements lie would be actually really interesting. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I'm not going, you know, when, when it comes to designing the, the narrower or more high performance skis, I, you know, Bodie is, is brilliant in that space. He's always been innovative and he's always um, tried new things. Um, when it comes to the, the lighter weight touring skis, perhaps I've got a little bit more experience on that end and, and we can collaborate and, and hopefully that leads to some incredible things. Uh, and I should also mention that this is not just a ski company. We're not just a ski brand. We, in our business plan, we have kind of a bigger vision uh, of being a manufacturing company and really innovating in the manufacturing space. Um, I can't get into a lot of detail there, but some years from now, we basically want to be making the skis for everybody else. And we think we have a path to do that. And that's really where a lot of this business lies, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, 
Bodhi talked about that on actually on a Gear 30 episode and uh, yep. in typical Bodhi fashion was not demonstrating a lack of ambition, let's say, for, <laughs> for, for, for the ideas. And, and so we'll, we'll link to that conversation, but that's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of uh, trajectory, let's say. Yeah, I think, I think you have to have something nowadays beyond just the physical act of making, making skis. Um, you know, there's the old saying, if you want to make a million dollars in skiing, start with two. Right. So it's, it's difficult to make money, uh, selling skis. And I can, I can say that from firsthand experience as an owner at Kessley skis, you know, it really wasn't until we got critical mass pushing nine, 10, 12,000 pairs, which is a lot of skis that we were really in the black and actually kind of making some money. There was always investments going back in, but you know, these there's, there's dozens and dozens of small brands out there, you know, more of them than I do. Uh, you know, that are probably in the one to two to 4,000 range. And it's, gosh, it's a tough business at that level. Um, if that's all you do is sell skis, the margins are tight. The materials are expensive. Manufacturing's costly. Um, there's all sorts of things. So by, by one, being a direct to consumer brand, you know, we, we have the opportunity to increase our margin. We have the opportunity to avoid issues that oftentimes come with, with uh, sales forces, retail relationships, uh, different things. Uh, and I, I'm not disparaging any of that. that. Those are important parts of our industry and, and a lot of industries. Um, but we think we can do it different and we think we can serve our customers better and, and more knowledgeably. Uh, and I should also say that like, if you buy a ski from Peak and you just for one reason or another hate it, we'll take it back free. And so you, know, you can kind of trust that you're not going to get stiffed or anything like that. And... I think the last update I saw, but maybe I'll just ask you, where are we in terms of ski availability and production and the like? Yeah, that's a great question. So we took delivery of our first skis from the factory um, at the beginning of August, or it might have even been right at the end of July. Uh, it was like 700 pairs. We had pre-sold about 350 to 400 of those um, from sort of April onwards. People could have could put down a $50 deposit when the skis came they get delivered. Um, so we've delivered maybe up to 400 pairs now. So we do have skis in the warehouse. Uh, I know today we sold quite a few with the announcement that I was coming on board and people were just kind of hearing more about it through the, you know, through social channels and, and news wires and, and YouTube and things. Um, so yeah, I think those next 300 will go pretty quick. And I actually don't know off the top of my head right now when the next batch is going to arrive, but it's, it should be in the next month. <clears throat> definitely in time for ski season. So, well, you're just back to the USA. What's the rest of your summer, fall, and then coming winter season look like? Yeah, it's uh, it's looking busy. This is the time of year where I'm typically starting to fill my calendar with uh, client trips, with um, appearances, ski shows, or uh, events, different things. Um, so it's already getting pretty busy. The, it, the next few weeks, I've got a bunch of 14er guiding and some biking that I'm doing, enjoying kind of the rest of summer here in Colorado. Um, and then actually my wife and I are going to Europe on a bike trip with a bunch of friends in late September, um, biking in Provence in France, and then, uh, ending up in Spain. And then actually one of our kids is going to school in Spain. So we're going to visit him and end up on the coast in Portugal. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, 
this is, these are the things that you can do when you don't have any children in the house anymore. <laughs> uh, so we're looking forward to that. And then, yeah, October, gosh, I've got a couple sales meetings that I'm going to, um, going back to Antarctica later in the fall. Uh, and then it's ski season here in Colorado. So getting on snow and getting peak skis on as many people as possible, um, skiing with clients here in Aspen. Um, I got a trip to Canada in December. Then Japan hopefully is going to open with, with no regulations. They still have this like guided tour group thing that you have to go through, which is really limiting people going to Japan. So I, I've got like four weeks of clients booked for this coming winter in January, early Feb, and I'm, I'm hoping that opens up. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a lot. There's just some of the things. And, you know, I love what I do. I love being busy. Um, you know, being on the hill and skiing is just something I don't take for granted. And I like working really hard at it. And, uh, and I'm diving full into some of these new relationships I have, like with Peak, like with Nerona, um, got a new CBD company that I'm working with called Embody Green. We're making this awesome uh, drink that's a citrus harvest, like fresh CBD drink that's delicious. Uh, working with a new insurance company called Spot Insurance is trying to get as many groups and resorts and people signed up on Spot Insurance. It's basically accident insurance. So if you ever have, you know, you ever crash and you got to go to the hospital, it pays all your deductible up to 20,000 bucks. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. So just a lot of fun business things that are keeping me busy and uh, and just also, you know, as an athlete, trying to train as much as I possibly can. I, I love the bike. I love the mountains and running around as much as possible. And uh, yeah, hopefully got to come down and see you guys and get on the bikes before you know, the snow flies. That'd be fun. Yes. And then the blister summit again. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention that. Because as we've talked about, we need you to bring the snow in case that snow isn't already Yes. You know, in the forecast. So we will plan to kidnap you. So you might as well just put it on your calendar now. Yeah. What's the date? It's the 15th or something? This year, it's February 12th. People roll Ooh. in on the 12th. We'll have a welcome session that evening on the 12th. And then we're on snow the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. So we're modifying things a bit this year. It's not going to be this summit A and a summit B. We're going to a single summit, but adding a day onto it. So welcome session Sunday night, the 12th. And then we're on snow Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, panel sessions every night. And then um, people can take off Friday morning. So we're really excited about this one. I mean, obviously we've, people have still the last two years really been dealing with travel restrictions and the rest. And I mean, we already know the kind of, the individuals from the ski industry that are planning to be there and the companies and the rest. And like, this thing is only, only getting bigger for sure. And God, we had a great time last year. So yeah, it was fantastic. Well, you can count me in to uh, bring the skis. I'll bring some Revelshine wine again yeah. and hopefully bring the snow okay. <laughs> and I'll sit on a bunch of panels, whatever you want me to do. Jonathan. <laughs> well, Hey man, it's always fun. Uh, it's good to good to catch up and and uh, yeah, I appreciate you giving me that snow talk, and <laughs> yes. uh, and fun to hear about the new the new venture for you, man. You do, of all the people in the industry, you definitely are one of the folks that's keeping a real full plate around here, and so uh, I love that that you are always super busy and always super like excited. It's both. I have never had a call with you or we've never talked and you're like, dude, I'm just dragging. <laughs> like I've never seen no. it. 
Well, I have to tell you, and I, I got, I told you this like months and months ago, but the importance of sleep, my friend, I know that you don't get enough sleep and man, it is a game changer when it comes to your productivity and your recovery and everything. And, uh, you can burn the candle at both ends only for so long. So, you know, tonight I want you to get your prescribed 7.5 hours. Okay. Uh, I mean, like a lot. <laughs> I don't know that I'm as efficient as you. So if I'm going to, I mean, I keep a pretty full plate too. So if I'm going to like keep up, I got to, you know, I, I'm not sure yeah. that I can afford as much sleep as you get, but I'm, I am working on it. So, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, either that or just start having a few kids and you really won't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> oh, this has been fun, man. This has been fun. Always. I love, uh, I love the podcast. I listen to every episode. You guys do a great job and, you know, especially love the the Cody Townsend collab review in the news that's just gotten better and better. And it just uh, gets a lot of good conversations started around all the things happening in our, in our industry and in our community. So keep that up. Well, thanks man. Well, Hey, look forward to seeing you soon and uh, good luck with everything you got going. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, probably catch you in CB. I'm th- I was thinking, will I be in Aspen or, but probably catch you in this part of the world next, I think. So uh, yes. look oh. forward to it. I hope so. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Bye. Well, that then brings us to the end of this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Chris for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And from our entire crew at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again on all of our other podcasts this week and... Don't forget to check out tomorrow's next open mic piece brought to you by Sander Hadley. All right, folks, talk to you soon.